Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Conversations with your host, Reed and Frank. And in this special episode, we have a recording that we did with the host of Critical Podcast that we have mentioned before. And we were able to interview him and talk with him to get his opinions and insight on some recent developments in Canada and his thoughts on stuff here in the United States. Yeah, I thought he was really cool. It was awesome to be able to sit down and uh, spend a little bit of time, you know, talking to him get to get to know him a little better. We've definitely liked his podcast and you guys should check that out. And we're really sorry for the poor audio quality, but this was pretty much our first time ever using Zoom or recording over it. So we hope you'll forgive us on that. Yep. And we thank Critical for arranging the meeting on Zoom and getting it set up for us. And we appreciate him for his time uh, during the interview. And we definitely hope to have him on again sometime in the future. Yeah, certainly. That'd be a lot of fun. Yep. So we hope you guys enjoy this segment. So uh, with that, if you just want to get right into it, um, we're definitely interested in this big trucker freedom rally that's going on up there it seems to be all anybody can talk about um so i mean just to kick it off i mean how do you feel about what's going on i know that uh there's definitely different perspectives to it up there some people support them some people don't i'm thrilled uh it's probably the best thing to happen up here in a very long time uh I've, i've been looking down at the states with admiration uh and and the concept of freedom being so so common and uh it's it's nice to finally see up here has kind of snapped to it yeah and do you think that um all these you know the big rally and the turnout for it is kind of a sign for maybe some change in the political winds for the guys of the country this 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 hasn't quite been a change in the winds so much as it, it really seems to have like flipped the table uh, it's it's like we're playing a whole different game this week than we were last week. Uh, we fired our official opposition, and it really looks like our prime minister's job may very soon be on the line. Yeah, that would be pretty good. It seems like he's been your guy's prime minister forever, at least you know, to me as someone who's not that in tune with Canadian politics. Like yeah, we don't have term yeah. limits. Um, he's certainly not even close to the longest. Um, I remember when I was a kid, we had Jean Christian and he was in honestly uh, more than 10 years. Um, wow. but yeah, it, it seems like he's, he's on his last leg. It, it seems. <laughs> so who do you think would step up uh, and fill that void? Uh, I think, any idea? I think the conservatives are very much poised to, to take over the next election. Um, we actually just fired the lead conservative of the party. Um, so the, we're going to be having a leadership election for that soon. Uh, we, we, it looks to be Pierre Polyev, uh, will end up being the main opposition. So I would expect to see him as prime minister in the near future, likely. Cool. And you like him, you support him. He's a, he's a genuine grassroots conservative. It's not just fiscally. Uh, he's a bit of a social conservative, but not, not so much that he's untouchable. Um, but yeah, he's he's to the bone valued and principled, so it's a good move. 
That's always good. We have our midterm elections coming up in November down here. And for us, it seems like we've got a pretty good, uh, like you said, we're poised for our conservatives and Republicans to take back the House and the Senate, hopefully. It and looks like it's going to be a bloodbath down there. A bloodbath. Yep. That's what they're saying. <laughs> That'd be nice. For that. Definitely. So anyway, to get back to this trucker rally thing, so um, do you happen to know? I mean, they say Trudeau turned, uh, tucked his tail and ran away. Do you know where he's hiding or if he's been found or come out from hiding he's, yet? He's come out now. He came out last night was his first appearance. Um, he ran and said he had COVID and isolated and a whole list of excuses. But he came out last night. We had a, uh, a federal emergency debate. Um, he didn't offer any substance. He, he just called everyone racist and sexists and then went home. Uh, he came That's out again. Do. Yeah, he came out again today and uh, left mid question period. Um, so much like you guys would have like a Senate hearing. Uh, somebody asked him a question and he literally just left, got up and left. Well, that kind of sounds like a little bit. He supposedly has tons of press conferences all the time and talks to reporters, but generally, once, you know, anytime he gives a speech, as soon as it's done, he turns around and leaves and all the reporters are just shouting questions at him. And when they do get to ask him questions, it's usually about what kind of ice cream he has, I think. <laughs> yeah. So um, what's the point of the federal emergency? Why did they declare that? What exactly did they declare as a federal emergency? So they haven't declared a federal emergency yet. It's uh, the city itself has declared a, a state of emergency. Um, I can kind of understand why uh, the state, the, the city, sorry. Um, it, it allows them to dip into federal funds because quite literally, this is a federal problem. So I don't necessarily blame the city for, for not wanting to shoulder the cost of all of this, um, they it doesn't really unlock a lot of powers. They, they've brought in some police from other areas, but most of the police that have been brought in are on loan until the weekend, because as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, every weekend, these other cities that have been lending police, uh, they've been having their own protests. So they're running really thin and uh, they're running out of options if they don't want to actually sit down and discuss it. We uh, we just recently listened to, I believe it was your most recent episode, and one of the things I believe uh, you mentioned was that uh, they're trying to restrict like uh, people bringing in fuel for the drivers and stuff like that. And when you mentioned that, uh, and I'm, correct, correct me if I am wrong, uh, but uh, you know, it just sounded so silly to me because I assume the city would want the truckers to leave, but if they don't have any more fuel once they've used it all trying to keep themselves warm, how would they expect them to leave if they're not allowing them to get more fuel? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, they're trying to basically starve them and basically cold them because, uh, I mean, up until now, like just recently, we've got a little warmer, but it was minus 20 Celsius when this all started. Um, wow. So taking their fuel quite literally could cause somebody to die. Yeah, um, As of like an hour ago, it, it looks like a justice in Ottawa has intervened and signed an injunction. Uh, they The police have been ordered to return the fuel and to stop seizing fuel. Uh, it, it is unlawful to do that. So 
that sounds good. Yeah. And another thing, uh, recently in the news, we out here for what's going on is uh, the GoFundMe uh, was shutting down different pages and fundraisers for the trucker. Yeah. And, um, I want to see what you thought about some of our state governors, uh, particularly our governor in Florida, who's trying to do something to help out with stuff like that. Yeah, well, it they 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 stole nine million dollars. Um, there's no real way to to spin it other than that. Um, when they initially took it, they said that they would just reallocate the money to charities of their choice. Uh, they caught right. a, they caught a lot of flack for that, um, and then issued a refund by, by default. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's in your senator's interest. It being an American company, and it has been weaponized against conservatives in america and this and canada uh so it, it would be smart to get ahead of it before it becomes more of a problem um do i think ron or any of the senator it's not going to have an impact here uh it's not going to change right. anything that's right. happened but it, it is definitely a bridge that needs to be crossed yeah um a lot of our governors have been taking it you know more in their hands to try to control um, like big tech and the different websites that usually either disadvantage conservatives or sell them off their platforms altogether. Yeah. Well, and I heard there's another one, a competing one that raised like $5 million or something like that for the truckers. Do you remember so, what that one's called? So Fun? they, they've got uh give, send, go. Uh, That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Christian organization. I guess they fund, they helped crowdsource uh, Rittenhouse's defense. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. It last I checked, it was over six and a half million American. Um, so they're wow. back they're back to eight or nine million dollars Canadian. That's awesome. Yeah. So <clears throat> I heard that there have been reports of violence. I think I heard just recently that some nut job drove his car into like four or five people up there. Did you hear about that report? I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, that happened in, yeah. in in actually that happened in Winnipeg. It was that was a, a city protest. Um, yeah, it turns out the guy was an anarchist and radical lefty. Um, he hit four people. Uh, nobody sustained life altering injuries, thankfully. Oh, thank God! Yeah, but the media has been dead silent. Um, if it was the other way around, if that a, if that was a trucker who ran over a counter protester, it would have been nothing but media. Um, but yeah, it, it has got no no real media. Well, we've had similar instances here, like around Christmas time, it was in uh, uh, Wisconsin, I believe, where some guy had ran over uh, some elderly people and children in parade, and it barely got any media coverage, particularly on the liberal media, because the person happened to be black, so they didn't want to talk about that very much. Yeah. When it was amazing because they just talked about a car drove into a crowd, yeah. that, you know, and nobody drives it. Just the way they talk about how guns people, uh, guns kill people, not not the guy pulling the trigger. It's it's the gun problem. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, that was definitely an interesting story when I heard that. I couldn't really believe it. Outside of that, it has been extremely peaceful. Um They've been very, very meticulous and in keeping it as peaceful as possible. Um, we've all learned from your January 6th situation that we don't have a lot of option. The minute it goes any sideways, we're we're gonna lose this. 
Um, so it's been it's been ridiculous. We had bouncy castles last weekend at in Ottawa. Oh, nice. So it's they got accused of stealing food from the homeless. So they immediately just instead of arguing it, uh, which I think was really smart, they just do better. Uh, so they started feeding the homeless. They opened a soup kitchen. Right. Um, they got accused of vandalizing the war memorial. So they put a 24-7 guard up. Um, they, they, they're not engaging with, with the smears. They're just stepping up. And that's good. Uh, I know a lot of times down here when you know, conservatives have their uh, protests and rallies, a lot of times people like to say, Usually, by the end of the protest, they leave it cleaner than they found it, whereas more liberal protests, you know, especially if we saw their air quotes protest in 2020. Yeah, all turned out. <laughs> it's quite literally the case here. So the city refused to do any snow removal and they refused to do garbage collection. So the volunteers and protesters banded together and they're doing their own garbage collection and they've started shoveling sidewalks, roads monuments everything wow so how much longer do you think this will last and what kind of resolution do you think will come out of all this i i worry that it in the next week before the weekend i worry that they're gonna try and make a, a power play um realistically the pressure is mounting every single day uh today at least two Possibly three by the end of the night, provinces will have announced plans to close mandates. Um, so they are winning. It is it is happening, and pressure is building on a level that people don't understand. Right. So I think realistically, uh, it'd be good to see it last through next weekend, and then if we can get another week, week and a half, um, I think we put the nails in the coffins. Yeah, that'd be really good. I think you're starting to see more and more pushback across pretty much the whole world. I believe at the beginning of this month, a lot of the countries in Europe, well, maybe not a lot, but several started lifting all their mandates and their restrictions and stuff like that. And I think a lot of the the leaders of the various countries are getting the idea that the citizens are not not willing to put up with it too much longer. No, and here it's become political Main Street now. Um, this is the, the number one issue and the politicians have decided to fight for it now. Um, so the conservatives aren't letting this go. Uh, even liberals we had today, we had backbench liberals uh, break ranks and, and speak out against Trudeau and say it's time to end this. So it's it's not long. It's they don't have a lot left. Um, this is technically the most dangerous part, though, when the sure. people in power start to realize they don't have it. Yeah. Because mm. then they get scared and then, you know, they act out trying to keep their power, make sure they don't lose it. Yeah, it gets it's to be unpredictable. unpredictable. Yep, exactly. Well, and I think it's kind of cool. You know, we often feel here that our news kind of dominates the world. So it's cool to see so many eyes on Canada for once. I mean, I feel like you guys are front page of the world news right now. So... <laughs> Yeah, neat for you. It's nice to see. I just wish our media here gave half the attempt to be center that the rest of the media does. Like I've seen Fox has flown a lot of stuff and it's, I guess, not center, but it goes more right leaning. Um, Mm -hmm. But all of the media here, it's our media is largely funded by the liberals. Um, 
so all we really get is one narrative and it's it's so transparent that they are pushing opinion not just news um so so the way they frame things is kind of gross yeah it's like that down here too (laughs) some of the stories that i looked up uh before you know talking to you come from some pretty left-leaning outlets like npr and everything they they're basically just funded with our tax dollars and the ad council all the stupid ads we see on tv are funded with our tax dollars and uh you know, they treat uh, Fox News, one of the only conservative outlets, like it's state media, they say. That's what they say <laughs> when it's the other way around. Yeah. So um, with all of that out of the way, um, we, also, we wanted to turn and talk to you about that conversion therapy ban that just happened. Some, some new law that made it illegal to, I guess, provide, promote, or... Uh, profit off of this conversion therapy or even advertise it, I guess, <laughs> is what I saw when I was looking it up. It, it goes so how a little... do you feel about that, especially as a parent yourself, you know, because neither of us are. It goes a little deeper than that. Um, so you're referring to Bill C-10, um, the conversion therapy bill. It, it was passed. Um, it will certainly see legal testing. Um, basically it outlaws any counseling for gender dysphoria. So a parent, a pastor, a counselor, a therapist, nobody is allowed to say anything other than affirmation. Um, so if my child says, Hey dad, I think, I think I'm a girl. It is effectively illegal up to imprisonment for me to say, no, you're a boy. Um, it, it, they took it's a very Marxist tactic. They took yes. they took us a, a well-meaning because nobody wants to see shock therapy. That's that's immediately what you think of when you hear conversion therapy. Nobody wants that to happen. Uh, we can all agree that that's not right. Um, but they take a well-meaning uh, way of framing it and then they put all of this ridiculous law beneath it. So it, it removes a pastor's ability to even say biblical truth that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Um, So it will be challenged. Uh, There there are pastors and there are lawyers begging for this to be tried in the courts so they can strike it down because after it's law, that's the only way we can close it. Right. Well, one of the things I couldn't believe when I was looking into this a little bit is I guess this is like the third time that you guys have voted on this bill or, or, you know, that your representatives have according to what I read. And it said that this one passed, um, I guess, unanimously in both of your houses, the House of Commons and the Senate, um, but neither of the other bills did. And the article that I was reading said that this one even goes a little bit further because it says even if this conversion therapy was consensual, it still is illegal now. Yeah. So I just wondered, that seemed like a non sequitur to me that it failed twice, but this seems like even more progressive and it passed <laughs> unanimously. So I just don't really understand how that could be. The way our political system works is we're victims um, of vote whipping. So the party leader is allowed to basically veto and dictate how a vote's going to go. Um, So the times it's failed, we've had strong conservative leaders who allowed conscious vote. 
Um, so we had some conservatives that were small C conservatives that would vote for it. Um, but the big C's were always there to kind of keep it stopped. Uh, what, what happened is we got a very, very weak liberal conservative leader. Uh, he, he vote whipped it to pass. Um, because what happened was he was trying to pander to the left. He wanted to move the entire party more left to cat. He wanted more votes. He wanted to steal liberal votes. Uh, and he thought that was the best play to do it. It didn't work. Uh, he lost vote share and subsequently has lost his job. Um, huh. but, but nonetheless, we're left with this mess of a, of a pretty gross bill. And one of the biggest criticisms that I've heard, at least coming out of you know, our uh, conservative commentators here in the States, is that it only bans conversion one way. It's totally okay for somebody to try to use therapy, as you said, to affirm somebody's gender dysphoria, but it's not okay to not affirm it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't make sense of it, but you're you're absolutely right. It is. Uh... I think you'll see. That's part of why we're interested in it. Is um, we just heard a story not too long ago that came out of Washington State, uh, where they passed a law that allows um, 13 year olds and up now they can now uh, obtain confidential treatment for gender dysphoria. They can take uh, medical treatments like puberty blockers and cross sex hormones. Um, it's almost everything but surgery. They haven't gone that far yet. But um, these teenagers now can go tr seek these treatments without parental consent, and they change the law so that the health insurance has to cover it. And <clears throat> it's kind of crazy when I was looking into this, there's a law um, that's being considered in California right now that would even make it it would make the insurance companies criminally liable if they were to disclose this information to the parents. So I just find that so bizarre. And as a parent, you know, I mean, I can think about it, put myself in, in a parent's shoes, but I'm not a parent. So I couldn't imagine my little son or daughter going to school as one gender one day and then coming home as another, you know, at the end of the evening. So, and it seems like that's where they're pushing it. You know, <clears throat> so I just wonder if maybe that law, you said C-10, do you think it'll sort of morph into this, into this transgender issue where they'll push for these young kids to be able to undergo these hormone treatments and therapies the, the same way they seem to be pushing for it here? No, I don't, I don't think we get that far. Um, we're definitely too far left. Um, but we have a pretty firm grasp on where our kids belong and who who should be teaching them. Our, our education system is bad. It's certainly not good, but it doesn't seem to be quite as ideologically pushed as, as American education is. Uh, it seems you guys are more rife with with motive pushing, um, whereas yeah. here here it happens in isolated incidents, but it definitely doesn't seem like a structural push at all well it really does i uncovered some really crazy things when i was looking into this a little bit and uh already they allow young girls to leave school they don't tell the parents about it they just allow it 
for them to go get abortions or contraceptives. And um, the really crazy final thing that I found was that um, our Planned Parenthood, you know, that organization, what a lovely organization that is, um, they're even starting to have school, uh, I mean, locations right on school campuses now so that kids don't even have to go, you know, to the next city over or even down the block. They can receive these sort of hormone treatments, the plan B, the contraceptives, everything right there on the school campus now. That, so that really boggled my mind. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> right. And at the same time, they won't allow a football coach to pray with his players on the field. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think the same rule ought to apply to both, where it becomes a separation of church and state, really. Um, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, I swear I've almost kicked this COVID crap. <laughs> But well, we're uh, glad to hear. Yeah, no, I, I think it really should come down to a separation of church and state. And I understand they kind of hide Planned Parenthood as as healthcare, um, but it really is. It's it's a ideological religion. Um, so I I mean, really, if you're gonna say no to to prayers on the field, then you pretty much have to say no to on demand abortions in a school. Right. You would think. <laughs> Everything seems to be a battle. It's, you know, <sighs> I think it all comes down to the fact, and we've seen it here, where the government's just kind of really overstepped its bounds. It's yeah. overreached in every aspect, and this is what we've got to as a result. Right. I was gonna say something similar to that. Down here, you know, we're starting to see a lot more, uh, you know, outspokenness from parents showing up to their school board meetings and stuff like that. And kind of like what you said with the government you know, overstepping, I think we're starting to see our public school system start. You know, they're overstepping the lines of what they are responsible for teaching our kids. And a well, lot of our parents just aren't having it anymore. Yeah, well, and you can see that it's a threat to the powers that be. I mean, they've they're calling them domestic terrorists. And, you know, like we talked about in one of our latest shows, um, the Department of Justice here has even created a whole new task force just to go after these parents at these school board meetings and stuff. So it's sort of um, unbelievable, really. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I think Merrick Garland should uh, really be stripped of his duties. It's it's kind of gross how far he's taken it. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was right for that position in the first place, if you ask my opinion. It's just because they couldn't put him on the Supreme Court that they gave him that job at all, at all whatsoever. <clears throat> I definitely don't think he's the right man for that job. Terrible. All right. Well, to move on to another topic, you know, this Russia-Ukraine thing seems to be really also in the news. Everybody seems to be talking about that. And and uh, so I was just kind of wondering how the Canadians feel about it. I understand you all sort of have a longstanding tradition with the Ukraine, I think. I think it started like in 1991 or, or something, if I read it correctly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super uh, up to date on our inter-country re uh, relations. Um, I, I kind of look at that whole situation and my, my whole view on Russia is very different than most. 
Um, I have a very duality uh, view on them. Live and let live. Uh, they, as long as they don't put their nose where it doesn't belong with our stuff, uh, we kind of should just stay out of their business. But I think the whole shift with the media really shifting towards focusing on aggression escalation with the Europe or Russia or Middle East, I think it's just an attempt to kind of get back to the status quo. Um, we've yeah. had two or three years now of really pharma corporate narrative. Um, and it, I think it's just time for the Warhawks to come back and, and to mm-hmm. really make their money again. It's been three years where these major industrial war machines haven't really been making a lot of money. Um, so I think it, it's natural to see them try to amp fear up and, and hype that up. Uh, I think it, it says everything anyone needs to really know about it when you've got countries pulling officials out, but even the country that's supposedly the target is saying, why are you guys freaking out? Um, yeah. So I, I don't really look too much into that. Uh, I, th- I think it's more media spin and hype than anything. Um, realistically, I think Russia may, I mean, from a, from a st- strategical standpoint, there's some parts of, Ukraine that would be advan- advantageous to Russia, but they don't really stand much to gain to actually take all of Ukraine. Um, I, th- I think it's mostly just chest puffing, really. I, I, don't, I don't worry too much about Russia at this point. Uh, I, th- I think militarily, uh, we are at least way more focused on China, uh, what's happening in Taiwan, yeah. especially because being a, a British Commonwealth, uh, it's pretty close to my heart to see what happened in Hong Kong in 2020 and to see the the Chinese Communist Party steamroll a, uh, a brother democracy. Hong Kong was a, a colony, a Commonwealth colony. So to see that happen and then them threatening Taiwan as much as they are, I think China is practically the, the bigger threat militarily. Yeah, well, I'm sure both of us uh, here agree with that. We- Hundred percent. Yeah, we don't particularly see Russia as the main threat. Um, not really at all. It's definitely China. The, I don't. I don't even. I, look, I don't even look at Russia with really disrespect. Um, certainly, Putin is not a good man. Uh, he's got some questionable ways of of running his place. Um, but he he strikes me as a man of principle and a man of of values. Uh, he he's ruthless. If you go against them uh it's not healthy to be an opposition leader in russia certainly and and that's not good mm-hmm. but but the man has core principles and and will protect his people uh with the due amount uh you saw him speaking out against mandates and nonsense so i i don't view russia as hostile as many of the mainstream media would like me to yeah well, and I think there's always a big separation between the leaders of a country and the actual, you know, the common man in any country. So I think that's important to keep in mind always. And then, you know, like our President Trump said, you know, I think it would be best if we could get along with Russia. I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be good allies with Russia. I mean, their culture is not totally unlike ours. And I definitely see China as being a bigger threat. And I I worry, I have some friends, some family friends who are from Taiwan, and we've seen this before. I'm pretty sure China either did 
or tried to take Taiwan once before. And there was a mass exodus from Taiwan. That's how I ended up having these family friends here in the U.S. They emigrated over here out of fear. So I'd hate to see it all happen again, you know. I'm, I mean, if, and, if the Western world can, can democratically and, and economically get along with China, uh, there's no reason we couldn't get along with, with Russia. Uh, we can keep our differences aside. Uh, we can disagree with some of the things they do. But uh, surely... Russia is not running concentration camps right now. Um, so why can we cooperate with China, but not Russia? Well, because China's got all the money. <laughs> right. I think that's what it is. <clears throat> yeah, we still have a, kind of a big problem, especially with our, you know, the movie and Hollywood industry, and particularly here in the NBA. Um, you know, yeah, the way these companies censor themselves. For China, they allow the sort of bastardization of, of the films, of the songs, of the media, the culture, whatever, just to kowtow to China. <clears throat> sort of ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I, like. was, I was just going to say, I, I think you're seeing that kind of fall apart. Um, viewership on pretty much everything is, is hitting all time lows. So people are just not buying into a lot of the nonsense anymore. When I think you'll see it here with the Olympics, you know, there's a big story circulating right now about how Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives here, she cautioned our Olympians to keep their mouths shut, essentially, while they're over in China. And they've been told not to have cell phones. They're supposed to have burner phones like drug dealers use, and they're not supposed to take their laptops. and you know, I'm just afraid it's sort of like a powder keg and one spark <laughs> might sort of start to, uh, well, it really might set ablaze this sort of what's been only been smoldering up until now. Well, well, <laughs> to quite literally give the devil her due, um, she's not wrong. Um, they should, they should. And honestly, all of anyone that's there now, their media has been stalked relentlessly for, for the year leading up to it. Um, the, the media apparatus and the, and the espionage apparatus from China is, is unparalleled. Um, so it would be naive to think that if you're there, they haven't already known everything about you. Um, but yeah, no, she's not wrong. Uh, they, people shouldn't speak out while they're there. Uh, Canada firsthand can attest to that. They have had political prisoners of ours for something like 900 days. Uh, two of the Michaels, uh, Michael Kovrig and Michael something else. Uh, they spoke out or did something wrong and there was a political hostility and they just took citizens hostage. Um, the, the problem that, that I have is they, they really should have been highlighting this to athletes and to the general public before sending people. Uh, I, I, it boggles my mind that we didn't just outright boycott the entire Olympics. Right. Well, that's the camp that we're in. I can't believe we're even there. So, and I have nothing wrong with giving courtesy and respect, you know, to, the country that you're in, you know, uh, as an outsider, but um, for somebody like, I think that's what it really is, is for somebody like Nancy Pelosi to go cautioning us and saying what to say and what not to say, even if she may, you know, there may be a grain of truth to all that, but it's just so sort of ridiculous coming from her, you know, <laughs> of all people. Well, I think if anything, it's just a little too late. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, good point. Yep, exactly. But like we wouldn't we wouldn't have the Olympics in Iran when they're committing genocide. So why why are we in China? And why are we pretending like there's not concentration camps miles away? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um one of the last things we wanted to talk to you about here um, is just sort of, I guess, some of this vaccine stuff. You know, we had a major decision come out of our Supreme Court that said that our federal government couldn't require people to take this vaccine. But it still seems like the individual companies, the individual states, um, they can still put such a rule into place. It just can't be the president himself that requires it or the federal government. Um, so I don't know exactly how effective it's been down here. It sort of is a state by state sort of experiment like, you know, like our constitution sets us up as. Um, but I just wondered what you all might have thought of it. And uh, if you think there's maybe been any change in the tide as far as all that goes uh, based off the ruling. Uh, I don't think the ruling has had a lot of impact, at least here. Uh, it certainly doesn't seem like it had a ton of impact down there even. Um, it was yeah. nice to see the the White House kind of be power checked and understand that this isn't your place. Uh, I, I am jealous of your guys' court system. Ours throughout <laughs> all this has upheld the most of the, the dictates. Um, they will always side with the abundance of caution and safety for public over personal individual rights. Um, so it, it's kind of sucked up here. There's a lot of people were unable to find a, a way through without falling victim to it. Uh, I know far more people that were uh, coerced into getting a vaccine than uh, I do that managed to find an exemption. Uh, down there, I, I think even with Biden's, I, I, I laughed that you guys got so upset over Biden's mandate um, when even in his mandate, testing was an option. Uh, most places up here weren't even given that option. It was vaccine or nothing. Uh, there was no alternative. So uh, it made me a little jealous that you guys even fought against that. I'm, I'm happy you guys won. Um, but it, that wasn't the reality up here. Uh, it, was, it was unilateral. And as far as companies individually, given the, the litigious nature of, of Americans, I think the court system will sort that out soon enough. Um, certainly not quick enough to help people in the moment, but uh, I think the truth will end up prevailing and the right side of history will kind of show up. Well, I think it's kind of terrible, honestly. I mean, I'm glad we got the decision that that's not the terrible part, but it still seems like it's almost a minefield. You know, I know people who are in the job market right now looking for a job. And it still seems like almost every company is requiring it anywhere. If you want to work for a public university or a major employer, they all require it. There's no really good way to, to fight it with the company, you know, because it's their requirement and they're allowed to do so. So I think it definitely was a sort of lowercase win that we had and not, not a big one at all. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the narrative is falling apart quickly, though. I know up here, um, two provinces have already announced plans to drop vaccine passports, which are effectively the vaccine mandates. Um, asking for proof is, is how our companies have been doing it. 
Um, so it, it's good to see cracks are forming. Uh, it's just a matter of time now before it, it trickles down everywhere. Uh, but I do, I do see before next year, this is, this is going to be gone. I certainly hope you're right. Yeah. But next year, three whole years of this, and I can't imagine there are too many people left that are going to be careful. Yeah, I, I worry the precedent this is now set um, because this is on par with the flu. Um, I'm not I'm not saying this is the flu, but mortality wise, it is it is equivalent. Um, so now every time we have a bad flu, are we on the hook for potentially two years of government abuse? Yeah, we could hope not. Yeah, we certainly could hope not. Well, did you have much else you wanted to? No, I think we pretty much ran through all the topics and stuff that we had planned out. So um, if you'd like to plug yourself, would you want to tell our listeners where they might find you? And Yeah, I, uh, you guys have my, my link tree, so you can throw that in the description. But uh, yeah, I'm just critical podcast. I'm, I'm uh, basically what you guys do. I'm just trying to thread the needle, uh, have the, the tough conversations and, and kind of find the middle ground because it seems to be so missing. Uh, I'm definitely right of center, probably pretty far right of center. But uh, I, I understand we need to make room for people who don't necessarily agree with me. Um, but that's where we have to have the discussion and the conversations so we can find balance again. Because it's, it's just so missing, but it's also so necessary in a functioning society. So that's kind of what we do. We, we touch on pretty much every topic we can. That's awesome. Well, it's awesome. It's been awesome talking to you. We've certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. We're glad you're able to make time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. We hope to be able to do it sometime again in the future. Yeah, for sure. But if you're all for it, yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, on that, I guess we'll sign off. And there you have it, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this interview with the host of Critical Podcast. And we'll have information where you can find his show in our show description along with ours. And once again, we apologize for the poor audio quality. Uh, We're going to be doing some testing on Zoom coming up on our other channel, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show, in the future. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and uh, if you're not sure where to find it, you can always go to our website, uh, contemporaryconservative.net. And we have all the links up there. It's a pretty good hub for not only our material, but for other things you can find, um, resources to find other conservative news. Um, So feel free to check us out there, or you can always leave a comment wherever you're finding this video. You could like us. Feel free to interact. You could email us. We usually put our emails in the show notes as well. So thank you for listening.